This episode may include discussion or stories regarding abuse, neglect, violence, trauma, and some interventions which some listeners may have experienced as traumatic. Right, we're here. Hi, hello. It is a rainy evening here in Indiana. Don't know what you're dealing with in Florida. It is hot and muggy. It's typical. (laughs) Yes, typical. (laughs) Hot and muggy in October. I love that we can do this. You're in Florida. I'm here. We're doing it. We're doing it. Doing the thing. Mm -hmm. How's it going? How's your week been? You know, it's been it's been kind of a hectic week. Um, you know, I'm in the you know in the midst of the um, the first, I guess, well, it's the beginning. You know, the beginning of the second quarter of the school year. But anyway, we're like well into the school year, right? Mm-hmm. Things have uh, really piled up and just been crazy busy, barely keeping my head above the water. You know, mm-hmm. but. What what about you? Uh, things are going well, going pretty good. Um, there's something I want to share about, and anyone who follows on my um, private practice Instagram account probably has already heard about this, as may have you. <laughs> um, is I want to talk about like the SSP protocol that I did and how mm-hmm. I've been feeling lately. Um, so SSP is a safe and sound protocol, which is based in the polyvagal theory. And it's a listening intervention, which I did because there's research that it helps with, okay, give me the word is miso. Misophonia. Misophonia, which is when you feel like internal rage (laughs) over noises. Okay. And I thought this was normal. I thought that everyone just got really, really angry about certain noises, but apparently that is not typical. So for me, it's my husband eating bananas. And every time I tell someone that, like, how do you eat (laughs) bananas loudly? I'm like, how do you not understand? (laughs) This is novel for me. (laughs) So that, and then my dog, my new dog, like licks his feet like crazy. And I just get so angry (laughs) and I'm not an angry person. So... I read that the safe and sound protocol, which I'm trained in to work with my clients helps with that. So I'm like, okay, I got to do this. Like the dog's going to have to go or something. So (laughs) I did it and I got like, um, effects, which I was not expecting, which was super cool. Um, I feel like a lot more calm and regulated and relaxed. Like I wouldn't have said that I was a dysregulated person when you look at like the some polyvagal theory you have different kind of like sections I can't really recall them right now sympathetic parasympathetic and sympathetic um and I would have said I was majority majority of the time in the zones of regulation but now that I did this I'm like oh this is what calm feels like this is really nice (laughs) and I thought I was calm before So that's been really cool. Um, yeah, isn't that fun? Like when you find, um, you know, a treatment strategy that you can use, you know, in your practice, but then mm-hmm. also apply it to yourself. It's just, yeah. um, it's why I, you know, you know, I've talked to you a lot lately about like me doing that with like executive functioning and like, you know, mm-hmm. recognizing my own executive functioning challenges and stuff. And, um, you know, using different treatment methods that I've, you know, 
known about using with mm-hmm. my clients. I'm like, oh, I could okay. use this for myself. It's- and it works. Yeah. I think what's been even more amazing is like, I thought I was calm and that's what calm was. And now I'm like, oh, well, this is what it feels like. And like, it wasn't like this overwhelming of like Zen kind of feeling, mm-hmm. but I was maybe just like driving in between appointments. And previously I would have just had like this internal, I don't know how to like explain it but there was something going on and then the same thing happened and I was just continued driving like it's fine everything's cool there's no stress here so just to see the comparison of like what you think is fine and okay to then experiencing mm-hmm. something else I'm like oh no this is what it's this is what it feels like so mm-hmm. that's been really cool um the dog and the bananas I've not tested the bananas but like the dog is more <laughs> tolerable I don't feel angry <laughs> like that's amazing like I was still annoyed it's annoying but I don't feel the anger that I felt before so I think it's a win so that's been really cool and then I've been very productive lately like make checklists which I've actually been able to accomplish and just really been in a good groove so I'm gonna attribute it to the safe and sound protocol could be could be like a placebo effect but either way I'm getting stuff done and I don't yeah. want to the dog when he likes his paws. So <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I mean, you're, you are noticing a, a, an effect with your own, you know, your internal state, which, um, you know, placebo effect or not, I guess, like, uh, you know, it's a noticeable difference and that's, um, you know, it's important to really our own perception too, mm-hmm. of, of how we're feeling and our, you know, comfort with ourselves and, you know, how we're feeling like we're navigating through our lives and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I guess I'm like grateful that I'm at this age or stage in my life where I can do self-reflection and be able to identify different mm-hmm. stages of calmness or regulation because I know a lot of people can't even identify that. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that I know like I've struggled with in the past. And I, I know you and I've like had a lot of conversations recently too about how I felt like I've never had a great vocabulary for my emotions mm-hmm. um because I do tend to feel them really big really big and um I like I don't necessarily like act at, like I'm not someone who externalizes my emotions I internalize them but mm-hmm. I still like I feel them very big and and you know mad never felt like quite deep enough of a word or sad never felt like deep enough of a word um but then discovering this idea of regulation and, you know, regulation and being dysregulated um, and how you can kind of use more words to describe what that means has, has had more meaning for me um, than using words like mad, sad, happy, excited. Um, those words just never seemed to have the, have the depth of mm-hmm. how I felt my emotions, you know? Right. And that's what we're talking about today is like discussing the topic of regulation because it's such a buzzword lately. And we're just going to talk about what regulation means. In previous episodes, we've talked about um, self-regulation, the myth of Mm self-regulation. And maybe this episode, since we're recording and they're not going out in order, (laughs) this one might be before self-regulation. So disregard the previous. In one episode, we talk about the myth of (laughs) self-regulation. Today, we're going to describe... (laughs) Yes. Today, (laughs) we're going to talk about just regulation and what that means in general. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think I had sent you something on Facebook from the occupational therapist about 
um, regulation correct. Let's see yes. what she had to say. A lot of great things she had to say. Mm-hmm. So let's read here. So people sometimes use the word dysregulated to mean something like grumpy, sad, angry. And people might use the word regulated to mean happy, calm, and quiet. These are not accurate definitions. Mm-hmm. And that is very true. I guess you typically would think if you're dysregulated, it's usually related with negative feelings. Regulated is positive, quote unquote, feelings, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Calm is probably what I would assume regulated means. But someone can be happy or excited and still be dysregulated. Someone can be sad or angry and still remain regulated. What? How? Tell me how, Danielle, can someone be happy and excited and be dysregulated? So I get, I don't know. I, I feel like to, to describe that, I guess, I, you know, I think we need to talk about what, right, like kind of define what regulation is, yeah. right? Like, and, and um, you know, from my interpretation and understanding of regulation it is that uh, you are in a state to take in information, process information, learn new information, um, you know, be focused and uh, um, focused and able to like participate in what you need to participate in, participate in, do what you need to do, um, those kinds of things. There's like, I don't know. Is that what your understanding is? Is that how you've like interpreted that word? Yeah, that I guess I'd interpret it and it may not be what, you know, this um, post said, but regulated is at a functioning level, I would suppose. Mm-hmm. And dysregulated is when you are not able to function at your level of normal, perhaps, mm-hmm. is yeah. how I would use it. I was kind of curious as to how the dictionary defines regulated. I'm not sure. About Let's that. see. <laughs> Do you ever listen to those podcasts where they like have someone who looks stuff up on Google for them? I listen to like the Joe see. Rogan show, and he's like, "Jamie, Google it," and Jamie will look it up. We don't have a Jamie here. <laughs> <We> do not. <laughs> Let's so. see. Control or maintain the rate of speed so that it operates properly. It's talking about a machine or a process. So I guess mm-hmm. like you know, in this um, you know, in this instance, the process is like you know how our how our brain is working mm-hmm. um but you bring up an interesting point about being regulated and, and having it always mean that you're um you're focused and I guess this kind of goes against the definition that I just said but you know I do have moments where I do feel too regulated <laughs> too regulated if that <laughs> makes sense like I feel okay. so um at ease with the world that I don't want to do anything um okay. And I wouldn't say that that's necessarily dysregulated um, mm-hmm. because I'm calm, cool, and collected. And, and um, it's just that like I, there's, it's like a lack of um, motivation to do anything because everything just feels right in the world and seems right in the world. And if I start to interact with the world or do anything, I it might know. mess that up, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so what kind of things would you do if you were in that space? Uh, sit outside, sit, sit in the sun, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually, and, you know, usually I do get this feeling when I am outside, like in nature. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do 
with like, cause I know like you and I have talked about, um, and I feel like we might've touched on this in another episode. I can't remember or not, but how, um, nature tends to have a more regulating effect on like people with ADHD and neuro, mm-hmm. you know, other neurodivergent people. Um, and I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Um, but it's possible. It's usually when I'm outside in nature, I'm like, man, everything just feels so good and so right. And I could just like sit here and continue to soak it all in. Mm-hmm. Maybe too. There's like the internal fear that like stepping outside of that place or that feeling will disrupt it. Right. Like I just love this moment as it is. I don't want any external factors to come in and ruin this feeling because it feels so good. So yeah, I'm just going to stay where I am. I'm going to be regulated and not want the outside world to impact this complete like Zen moment. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you would say that is regulated. You would say that's a regulated feeling. I would, I would, because my brain, like, usually what I think of, of dysregulated, I think of, and, and this might just me be my, per, from my personal experience, I think of like, you know, when, when my brain is moving very, very fast for some reason or another, right? Like, it, it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing or, um, but it's just that my brain tends to be racing more. And so I'm not as able to take in information from around me as easily and process Mm -hmm. information around me as easily. Um, and so, yeah, because I'm still able, like when I'm in that state, I'm like able to take in information. It's just that I don't want to, like, it's Mm -hmm. hard to initiate doing anything different from what I'm currently doing. So we're like associating regulation with productivity or something Mm -hmm. like that, right? Like if you're regulated, you should just be able to function in the world as you quote unquote should be able to. Yeah. yeah. That's not necessarily the case. You don't want it because you know that the world's going to dysregulate you. So I just want to stay here and <laughs> live in my Zen moment and not be dysregulated by the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then um, like moments of dysregulation too can be associated with um, like excitement because people can experience excitement really strongly that you know it's kind of too they're not able to function as it typically would I guess right so Mm -hmm. it doesn't just have to be angry or sad you can feel other emotions really strongly which set you kind of outside of your window of tolerance yes yes and it's like like I always think about someone who's like really excited about uh you know a topic of interest or something mm -hmm. coming up and and you know when they talk about like you can tell they're really excited about it and like talking about it really fast and and a little disjointed and Mm -hmm. um I would say you know it's a good feeling but Mm -hmm. um but not necessarily in that regulated able to take in and process a whole lot of information state you know and that statement what you just said reminded me that for some people calmness can be dysregulating um for kids and families that I work with who've experienced trauma and just like this level of chaos like their brain is always in dysregulated mode or hypervigilance mode that when you provide them with what is typically calmness in a regulated environment like no this does not feel good I am not used to this feeling and that feels dysregulating for them so I see that quite often for kids who have been raised in kind of chaos and dysfunction. So would you say for someone like that, um, that 
from my like under you know from my understanding of the word regulated where it's like you know more of a your brain is moving slower and you're able to like um process things more easily that for these people for these kids it would actually be the opposite or i'm just curious i just i i know you've talked about this before and Mm -hmm. it's still something that just i'm not super familiar with and it's um, Mm -hmm. very interesting to me to learn about yeah i'm not exactly sure whether like prime level of functioning is because we know that living in dysfunction and chaos chemically is not good for our brain we're in a state of hypervigilance where you know we're just not neurologically functioning on par so that's not a stellar place to be but that's what they're used to so when you put someone in a new environment that is calm like I'm also not familiar with this place this place doesn't seem safe because I'm not used to it so it's also not regulating for me so they probably function better I guess in this dysregulated place because that's what they're used to and it's kind of difficult to work with because for kids in foster care they're ideally not being put into a home that is as dysfunctional or chaotic as their home they were removed from Mm -hmm. but that feels uncomfortable to the kid because it's safe and calm and regulated. So how do we kind of like create chaos or this feeling of chaos or feeling of dysfunction in a healthy manner? Because that's kind of what they tend to seek. Does that make sense? It does. It does. But it's it's not necessarily that, um, you know, the idea of what regulated versus dysregulated is is kind of flopped for these people it's just that they tend Mm -hmm. to function better when they're dysregulated because that's what their normal has become Mm. and if you switch someone else normal then it doesn't feel safe anymore so even though we can look at a situation and say this isn't safe Mm -hmm. that is the environment that they have been brought up in so then that becomes to feel normal and anything that's normal is safe then you put them in a new normal Mm-hmm. which we would classify as safe and regulated. That's a new environment. Like I'm not used to these feelings. I'm not used to safety. I'm not used to people being kind. Like what is going on here? That mm-hmm. is dysregulating for some people. Okay, so providing so- them with kindness and nurturing and safety is not a safe feeling. So we have to slowly introduce it or find ways to like have organized chaos or ways to naturally raise cortisol levels to kind of simulate what their normal is used to okay and I, I guess it comes and we've talked about before too um how just you know just because someone is able to um successfully navigate the world and be productive and whatnot doesn't necessarily mean um that they're healthy, you know, that, that, mm-hmm. you know, their internal state is a good state that they're in right then and there and how someone's quote unquote functional level isn't a great indicator of um, if they're well or not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's kind of like what I was sharing at the beginning, right? Like I thought I was regulated and well hindsight, mm-hmm. maybe I wasn't, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, and people can travel through the life like that and internally that's not what they're functioning with yeah Yeah. and also 
what go ahead <laughs> uh, and also too like talking about um you know how you know being able to s- successfully navigate the world looks looks different for everyone also too like you know in that post it was mentioned about how being regulated doesn't necessarily mean calm and i know i work with a lot of you know a lot of kids who in order to stay regulated in order to pay to pay attention in order to take in new information and to learn um they're not calm they need to move they need Mm -hmm. to fidget they need to be chewing on something they need to um um just be busy right be busy yes yes And typically you would associate that with like, you're not paying attention, you're not regulated, you're not focused, but those are the things which it takes for that person to focus more or be regulated is the movement. Mm-hmm. So each body is different and needs different things. Yeah. Um, and then two, mm-hmm. so I use quite a bit of TheraPlay in my therapy sessions and TheraPlay is... Um, different activities that when they're sequenced together, you're writing your window of tolerance through playful activities. So we'll do activities that bring you up, which is typically um, dysregulating, but in a fun way, and then bringing mm-hmm. you back down to a mm-hmm. regulated state. So I guess I hadn't really thought about that before, that we are dysregulating kids and families together in a fun way mm-hmm. to then bring them back down in other fun ways but to a regulated state so we'll have like fast moving games or you know things which where the rhythm may not be synchronized um and then you synchronize activities and have a lot of attunement and slower activities to bring someone back down to regulation in their window of tolerance so there's never a point in that where you know we're having angry or sad moments to get to that level of dysregulation our level of dysregulation is fun 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 excitement come back down and how that translates is when you can oh I forget what the exact statistic is but you learn through you might know um like you create synapses in your brain like so many times quicker if it's through playful activity than other structured activities so even though we're doing it through fun and exciting dysregulation it's still dysregulation so we're learning to ride the window of tolerance in a fun way so when you're put like set up in a situation where you have distress it is supposed to work the same way that you can have your highs and lows and still get to your regulated state mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So i'd never really and i've been doing therapy for like five years <laughs> put that together so yeah I mean, that makes me think of too even of like building that will- window of tolerance at a young age like even in you know just in um in every kid that you know no matter typically developing or not like I think of like preschool classrooms and how a lot of times there are there are like songs and whatnot that have fast moving parts mm-hmm. and they're slow moving parts and then they're like okay fat you know then they get like mm-hmm. back up faster and then faster 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 mm-hmm. to get them amped up and then there's slower 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 yes. slower um and I never really thought about it mm-hmm. and that uh from that 
you know frame of reference before and it's yeah. really interesting that's a lot of what um Sarah plays like one of the things we'll do is row row your boat and you're doing it together you're doing you've got the eye contact you've got the touch you're doing it slowly you speed up and then you come back down um okay. and it's it's so when you think back about the things that you do with your infants and your toddlers there's so much rooted in attachment and regulation like you said songs if you think about what is it, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, Mary mm-hmm, Poppins? Mm-hmm. Like, that song is on the SSP playlist, and that is full of it. Um, because people, it goes really quiet. Sorry. So I'm sat near my window, and my neighbor's walking in, so I'm closing my curtains because the dogs are going to bark. Um, hopefully they, that's enough. Um, yeah, the song gets really, really fast, and then it gets quiet, and there's just so much purpose behind that, which we don't even think about. And games like that and peekaboo mm-hmm. with the eye contact and the predictability there's so much we're doing so much for our kids and we don't even realize there they go <laughs> oh man i know it makes it you know paisley lately her um her her daycare teacher her daycare teacher right now this year is you know one of the most fabulous early educators that i've ever ever come across she's just put so much care in everything she does um but you know and paisley often brings her you know talks about her day and does a lot of her activities that she's done at school with us she likes to to um replicate the experience at home and one of the things that she's been loving is it sounds like there's this game that they probably play um where they get in a circle or they're in you know circle time or group time or whatever and um She'll come home and it's like, Paisley, Paisley, jumping in the middle, Paisley, Paisley, sit back down. Um, and then they go through like the whole class and everyone gets their their opportunity. You know, she's like, you know, mama jumping in the middle, dada jumping in the middle. We, but it sounds like everyone gets their opportunity to jump in the middle and get amped up, amped up. And then it's, you know, sounds like it slows down when it's like, okay, time to sit back down. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like, um, so I, we've kind of got off topic here, but um, they're player, I guess it's they're player. I'm pretty sure it's, ooh, I'm pretty sure, but I'm not 100%. Um, just something called Sunshine Circles. And they mm-hmm. teach those in preschools and schools as well. And they do that. They'll go around and sing in the circle to each of their classmates and there's regulation and connection and so much thing in the sunshine circles it's a really amazing thing doing so many things and not even knowing (laughs) i know it just seems like you know people just think being a preschool teacher or working with kids is just fun and games and no Mm -hmm. you're doing a lot and like like i said it takes a lot of care and effort and um Mm -hmm. and there's something to um regulation and the sing-songy voice mm-hmm. um so that is a very regulating way of talking of predictability and highs and lows and a regulating voice and a lot of really good preschool teachers or what is is paisley in preschool preschool teachers like daycare she's daycare, like the, yes. you know the two-year-old classroom mm-hmm. so it's not quite preschool yeah. yet but yeah so they will have that regulating sing-songy tone of voice and there are so many good characteristics of a good preschool teach because they can corral a a classroom or a room full of like magic little children with their voice right like how 
There is yes. a science behind that when they're doing it well and properly. Yes. Just the tone of voice that you're using and the regulation in it can be profound. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Think about it. So, okay. Back to our post. What else did the occupational therapist have to say? Um, regulation actually has to do with brain chemistry. A regulated brain is in higher control and using higher brain functions like logic, paying attention, self-control, and language. That makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Especially with what I just said about um, people who live in a life of chaos, probably have more cortisol running through their brain. So that is a change in brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. And that becomes their regulated state, even though high levels of cortisol is dysregulating except when that's your normal that becomes normal yeah and I guess too um you know another thing that um was mentioned too was (laughs) um but another thing too to keep in mind is is it's not um always appropriate to be regulated depending on your environment like yes you're you know when you are you know, in a classroom and, you know, supposed to be in this state to learn, like, yes, you, you know, that's an appropriate time to like be regulated. But like, if the school is on fire and you need to get out of the school, like not necessarily the most, you know, the, not necessarily the most uh, appropriate time to be regulated. Right. Here, right. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. we need to get out of the building now. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, even those exciting times, like when you are like, at a party or at a, like as an adult, like at a club or on a playground um, as a kid or an adult, I guess, um, <laughs> you know, I, I do partake in the playground experiences yeah, when I take Paisley. <laughs> I take that excuse all I can get. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily the most, you know, it's not appropriate to be regulated, right? No, you don't want to be like, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, sitting there like, um, you know, ready to, ready to learn, ready to take on, you know, take on the world or whatever. It's, it's appropriate to be dysregulated um, in those like types of scenarios. And our kids feed from us too. That's a part of attunement and mirroring is that you, there should be mirroring and synchronization between a parent and a child. Mm-hmm. If you are dysregulated, your child is likely to be dysregulated. They are feeding off of you and your energy and your neurons as well. Um, so it makes sense. Like most of the time you want to be attuned to each other and in tune with each other. Yeah. I'm curious when you're on the playground or other people, other parents playing. I know when I take um, the kiddo, I look after, I'm like the only person on the playground <laughs> yeah I'm the weirdo but I also don't care right um, you know I, I've talked to like you know um it's not just that I join in either like you know Paisley does have a lot of like social anxiety and needs more support on the playground than mm-hmm. other other kids do um but even if she didn't need that extra support I think I would still use the excuse of like oh my daughter needs to climb on the uh mm-hmm. climb on the uh, the climber over here I should probably go up there too or my daughter yeah. needs to uh run around in the splash pad uh-huh. needs to run on around on the splash pad too yeah. I'm always the only parent in the splash mm-hmm. pad but I also don't care yeah that's so fascinating I wish people parents would get out there more and do that with their kids but Sometimes we all, we need an excuse for fun. 
And that's yes. our excuse is to bring out our inner child again. I 100% use it as an excuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the kid I go is she's not my kid, but and maybe that's the difference. I don't have to deal with her 24 seven. So I'm not kidded out. I'm like, cool. I'm going to play in the playground with you. I have you for four hours on a weekend. That's fine. <laughs> like I yeah. can do this. Yeah. <laughs> this is not my every day, but I'd like to think that I would be involved. Yeah. And I guess it, I guess it comes back to, to um, how we all need different things to be regulated because I need movement and I need Mm. fun and, you know, um, and more like sensory input to be, to be regulated. And maybe these other parents need less in their life. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, okay, kids, you go play. I'm going to sit here on the bench and I'm going to chill out um, and do what I need to do to be regulated. So maybe Mm -hmm. I'm just, uh, you know, deviating from the norm a little bit, right. what I need to be regulated. And we've talked about that before. I don't know if it's on the podcast, but for me, um, like running is very regulating, mm-hmm. whether it be for emotional fuel to burn off emotional fuel, or if I have like physical anxiety, like running is pretty much always the answer for me <laughs> to regulate yeah. myself back and not just I kind of really analyzed it last time I did it. (laughs) Like, it's not just my mind is concentrating on something else, right? Like sometimes your mind is still focusing on what you're preoccupied with, but then there comes a point when like, oh man, like I'm really tired. I don't, I can't keep doing this. Your mind shifts. Mm -hmm. So it regulates your mind and your thoughts. It regulates your heart rate. It regulates a lot of things it gives your heart a reason to beat fast like when you're anxious we often have a higher heart rate so now there's mm-hmm. actually a reason why your heart is beating fast and can get back into a regular rhythm so there's a lot i that really enjoy the idea of exercise for regulation because it just has its own way of kind of getting things back in sync i think yeah yeah that's interesting because i was just you know right as you were starting to talk about running being regulating um, I don't run as much anymore. I just don't have as much opportunity. I, t- I, I have a home gym and I tend to like, you know, lift weights instead of running anymore because having a toddler makes it mm-hmm. kind of hard to get out for right. a long run. Um, but I think about like when I did run more often and I would get really dysregulated while I was running, I'd get like angry about, mm. you know, about running um, uh, uh-huh. and everything. But then afterwards it was like this Zen feeling, but it was like, I needed to get into this dysregulated state in order to be mm-hmm. regulated. But it was like, you said, like, there's a reason that you end up getting dysregulated. Like there was a reason that your heart's beating faster, that, you know, your brain might having to be move fa- moving faster mm-hmm. and your body pushing itself and whatnot. And, um, and then after that's all done, it's like, okay, let's go back to baseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Baseline feels really good after you <laughs> run yeah. however long and pushed your body to its limits. Yeah. Like, okay, this feels nice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I used to get that way too with running, especially when I was training for something and I'd like set a goal. I'm like, oh, why can you not just run five miles today? Like that's the goal you have to do it. So I have this expectation and I get really yeah. upset with myself for not meeting it. So I had to shift my expectation to like, okay, you have to do five miles today, but that if you stop, if you walk, that's fine. And mm-hmm. once I like shifted that expectation, I had more success of not feeling so upset with myself. Mm-hmm. So a little running <laughs> stuff there too. Um, but I know for you, um, like heavy work is regulating, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's kind of a similar thing as when I was, you know, when I was running more often, like lifting heavy weights, like it's like, I'll get 
kind of you know i'll get kind of dysregulated during it if anyone mm-hmm. like you can, my husband he knows not to speak to me when i'm working out mm-hmm. i'm not the kind of person to go to a group exercise class or have a personal trainer because if someone starts talking to me or trying to encourage me when i'm working out i just i will snap mm-hmm. i will snap he has been snapped at before uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it, you know so it's the same kind of effect where i get this kind of like dysregulated state but then um it's like my body's like, okay, you had a reason to be dysregulated and, and now, cause you're physically exerting yourself and, and mm-hmm. now we're back to baseline and we're feeling good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and then for my husband too, I think cleaning is regulating for him. Mm-hmm. And that's something else that I find regulating is organizing things. So for people whose life is disorganized or seems chaotic, um, I'll see this in the playroom, kids will come in and they will want to just set up the dollhouse or organize the toys because that is their time to have some kind of organization and mm-hmm. um, regulation in their life or organizing creates regulation for them. So I'll do that. I'll organize my closet or <laughs> I don't know, color code the Legos. I don't know, but <laughs> that's also <laughs> something that I don't know, rearranges your focus and brings me back to a regulated state. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there was one more thing I wanted to say about regulation, but I can't remember right now. I I do feel like one thing that's like hard for people to grasp is how regulation looks different for different people. Like I know I've had a conversation um, with, you know, different teachers at schools who get concerned when they have students who go out to recess at the playground and they don't necessarily, you know, play with the other students and they like to kind of like sit off to the side and um, kind of do their own thing. And um, like, you know, I had one teacher this, just this last week talk about how, you know, the student likes to um, kind of just like look off and and into, you know, the nature, the surrounding like Mm -hmm. nature of the school and whatnot. And, um, you know, just having this conversation about, Hey, you know, from, I, I know like traditionally recess is seen as a time for play and fun and all that. But, but from my perspective, it's, um, you know, more of a time to, for kids to regulate themselves from having to sit and listen and learn all day. Mm -hmm. And that regulation, you know, that regulating time looks different for everyone. So even though, yeah, you know, a lot of kids are going to be running and jumping and climbing and, um, and interacting with each other and whatnot. And, uh, you know, but what's regulating for them might be dysregulating for someone else. And, right. you know, someone else might need to just sit and oh, and take in, you know, their surroundings um, and just have that quiet little Zen mm-hmm. moment, you know, to regulate sure. themselves. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And that's something I think we should explore more with people it's not just approaching them being like deep breathing is regulating and guided imagery is regulating. And these are your coping skills that are going to be regulating because Mm -hmm. that's not true. It's not not going to be regulating for everyone. Like I will often say that like deep breathing doesn't really work for myself or a lot of clients and that's fine. So we have to find what works for you. That's why I love what I do in my practice is like, we have the ability to take our therapy sessions outside. We could do physical activity. We can, physically explore what is regulating for you and not just assuming that you fit in the box of deep breathing and guided imagery because that doesn't work for everyone just as I don't know running doesn't work for everyone lifting weights doesn't work for everyone regulation looks different 
for everybody. I imagine like it's kind of off topic, I, I guess kind of off topic, kind of on topic. I imagine guided imagery would be really, really hard and not regulating for someone with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could be going kind of everywhere. <laughs> yes. That could, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of like focus and, and mm-hmm. abstract thought and, um, stillness that isn't necessarily the most um regulating mm-hmm. yeah. feeling in the world you know yeah I will say there are very few times I use the typical go-to coping skills for regulation because yeah yeah for myself as I think I'm neuro- uh, neurotypical as a neurotypical person I don't really think they work very well so <laughs> I'm yeah. not gonna promote these ideas let's find what works for you is kind of my motto yeah yeah. So I did a, a little deeper sometimes. And I remember what I was going to say, it kind of um, circles back around to what you said at the beginning of like, you have a hard time finding words to describe your feelings. Um, and I've been working with some grown-ups lately who are autistic and they struggle to find feeling words to describe what they're feeling. So I've been trying different things to connect with them on that. And one thing, two things which I found to have been helpful are relating to songs because I have one client who really loves music. So I've been having them pick a song which explains their feeling. And that has been really successful. And I think that's really unique and a different way to explain how you're feeling without using mm-hmm. happy, sad, mad, angry. Like this song sums up how I'm feeling, whether it be the words or the vibe or the, I don't know, just anything that goes into it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as colors. And I had seen the reference of colors and I always assumed that it was to work best with children, but I used it with the same client who is an adult and he, the client, like, really vibed with it he's like that is a perfect way to describe how I'm feeling like I think That's it was amazing. gray yeah it was like uh there's no word but gray fits and when you think of the color gray like everyone kind of has the same I guess thought right mm-hmm. like you're not thinking gray and thinking oh it's happy sunshiny day <laughs> right? yeah. everyone kind of has the same idea what gray means yeah and you know something like that's um I really like your approach with it is that you're allowing him to take the lead and take ownership of, of what songs and what colors mm-hmm. and what describe his emotions. Whereas I feel like a lot of the, um, the typical interventions that we have and like um, the typical things that we, you know, do tend to not necessarily involve our clients as much. And like, like I'm thinking like the zones of regulation, right. Where we, um, you know, we tell them what color their feelings mm-hmm. are and it's, more, and I, I don't want to necessarily say that, you know, we, we, we gaslight people, but like mm-hmm. in, in a roundabout way, we kind of do by telling them like, this is what this emotion, this color is what this emotion is, or, mm-hmm. or this song is angry or mm-hmm. this song is happy. Um, so I really like how you're letting them take ownership of what is like meaningful to them to describe their own internal state. That's awesome. And like, I may not have heard of the song, but I can listen to it and be like, oh yeah, I get that feeling. Um, yeah. And a lot of that comes to attunement too. Cause I think if you're not an attuned person, you can just listen to a song, like it's a song. You don't get the yeah. feeling from it. Right. Or like, it's just a color. So there comes with that some level of emotional attunement as well. Um, yeah. 
and then I just I have these like really cool workbooks that I got from um, like five below which Mm -hmm. I've been um, looking at lately and one of them is relating to feelings as the weather huh and it was a really unique way to do that let's see if I can find it um but you do like the weather report to express how you're feeling Again, it's something I posted on my Instagram, but I don't remember. I'm guessing one of them was sunshiny and that relates to happiness and mm-hmm. a cloudy, rainy day is sadness. Let's see if I can find it here. Jamie, pull it up. Where's our Jamie? <laughs> Jamie, pull <laughs> I've never watched it. Really? Yeah. I've never planned to tune in. I never <laughs> planned to tune into it personally, but um. yeah, I just listened to it because my husband listens to it. So when we drive, yeah. oh, Jim is <laughs> over there doing everything. Yeah. So a sunshine is cheerful and Typical playful. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, a rainbow is hopeful and proud. Um, an umbrella. This is interesting. Confident and safe. Hmm. Like the moon and stars, calm and relaxed, lightning, angry and frustrated. The ocean is overwhelmed and exhausted. So I just thought it was a really mm-hmm. different way to it is. Um relate feelings or explain. And I feel like there's feelings. there's opportunity there to like personalize it too, yeah, instead for of sure. like um like for me, umbrella is not safe. I hate umbrellas mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. Umbrellas are a little bit dysregulating because it's just something else to keep track of (laughs) (laughs) and for me like I love the ocean like and water is regulating for me so it wouldn't be the same but even if people can say the ocean means I'm happy they can often put a memory or an experience with those things right so like you said umbrellas are dysregulating for me because I forget them yeah so you might not have a word for that to explain the feeling but you have an experience which someone can contextualize and associate with that and get it so Mm -hmm. there's just Mm -hmm. so many different ways we don't have to stick with happy mad sad like explore different ways um and maybe just what's the word i'm looking for i don't know resorting to regulate or dysregulate how are you feeling i'm regulated today i'm dysregulated today (laughs) yeah and then you can use descriptors around it that's what i've been Mm -hmm. tending to do is like i'm like okay i'm feeling really dysregulated and and here i'm going to use some descriptors to describe how i'm dysregulated today Mm -hmm. yeah so there are so many other different ways that you can relate or label your feelings to outside of the ones we discussed so i'd be interested in hearing other ways that people explore emotions um I'm really digging the music too. There's been times yeah. before when I'm working on like life stories with people who perhaps have been adopted or have gone through trauma and we will pick certain songs which represent that time in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, either that song had meaning to them during that time, they heard that song then or like that song just really fits the mood of what they're experiencing. So music's a, a really great way to explore a lot of different things. Yeah. But I'd be curious as to how other people connect to their feelings too. Yeah. I'm all about hearing about different, you know, different systems. Like this weather one was a a new Mm -hmm. one for me. And um, I just like hearing how many creative ways there are to describe Mm -hmm. how we're feeling. Right. And like not discount it too. Like I said, the one with the colas, I was really like this 20 some year old man is not going to tell me how he feels using a cola. (laughs) But when he couldn't pick a song, I was like, let's just go for it. 
is there a caller that could explain how you're feeling? And he picked one like that. So like don't discount or think that something just fits with a certain age group because it's likely not. And we all have that inner child in us. Like we all at one point could connect with those things and it's likely to transfer to our adulthood. It just might feel a little more childish, I suppose, but there's nothing wrong with feeling childish. Being childish was a, for most people, a fun time. <laughs> yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Well, is there any more you want to add about regulation or dysregulation? I feel like we've we've covered all the bases that, uh, you know, I was hoping to cover and then some. So good, good. Yeah, I don't think I have much else either. And I think we should probably release this one before self-regulation. It might make more sense. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> Listeners, so here, you'll so get here, an episode on self reg uh, Yes. The myth of self-regulation later. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> cool. Okay. And as always, feel free to contact us, share your experiences, share your questions, topics you want to talk about. If you want to join us, we'd love to have you. So yes look in our little bio link thingy where you find your podcasts and you will find how to contact us. All right. So we will put a pause on today and we will chat with you guys next time. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, Danielle. Bye. Mm-hmm.